Nick, I can't believe COVID is still going on. And we also have something called the Delta variant that is basically making all of our numbers go back up again. It's really been a crazy year and a half. I know. And I think one of the things that I'm really happy for is that as I'm like standing in the ante room, getting ready to get all the carb on and going into a room and thinking about like, what do I need to do for this pregnant patient? I have the OBG project resource literally in my pocket on my phone that I can scroll through quickly before I have to put it down and get the gloves on. One of the great things about the OBG project is that you can also subscribe to OBG First, which allows you to create your own bookshelf. It allows you to have all those handy resources right where you want them instead of having to scroll through everything. Chief residents can actually get a free year of OBG First by heading over to our website, creagsovercoffee.com, and checking out the sidebar. Residents in general can also get access to the resident core curriculum for absolutely free. Again, head over to our website, check out the sidebar. You can get all of these resources from the awesome folks at the OBG Project for absolutely free. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creogs Over Over Coffee. Coffee. All right, Nick. So today we're going to be talking about the very exciting topic of female sexual dysfunction. So what are our learning objectives? So we'll first review the quote-unquote normal female sexual response. We'll discuss the different types of sexual dysfunction. We'll learn how to approach and evaluate a patient with sexual dysfunction. And then finally, we will learn management for female sexual dysfunction. I'll kind of throw in a disclaimer at the beginning here that we're saying female, referring specifically to female genitalia and traditionally female reproductive organs. So again, just as that is a disclaimer, um, and also referring to ACOG Practice Bulletin 213 that goes over female sexual dysfunction as um, co-reading. All right, so Faye, to start off, let's talk about exactly what is normal sexual response. Well, so I feel like that's a loaded question, Nick. (laughs) Um, So in original landmark studies about normal sexual response, they followed this very linear model of what they consider normal sexual response that we now know may not necessarily be as applicable to female sexual response as to males. So the original linear model was excitement, then plateau, then orgasm, and then resolution. However, more contemporary models um, are nonlinear and actually encompass a variety of sequences of the original four stages as well as a lot of other stages. And we do know that estrogen plays a significant role in female sexual response, including things like maintenance of the genital tissue sensitivity, elasticity, secretion, pH, as well as things like urinary continence, pelvic floor muscle tone, and joint mobility. I encourage everyone to take a look at figure one from that ACOC practice bulletin that you referenced, Nick, to really take a look at the interplay of all of these things. So for example, things that they kind of discuss are things like motivation for sex, um, you know, anticipatory desire or drive, actual physical arousal, subjective arousal, and how those things overlap, then actual arousal and responsiveness to desire, and then rewards such as emotional or physical satisfaction. And all of this is also in interplay with things like willingness, sexual stimuli, and information processed by the brain. We'll actually include this on our website, but it's really important to be able to see how all of these things interact with each other. 
Even more importantly, approximately 43% of American women report experiencing sexual problems with a higher prevalence in women ages 45 to 64. So clearly, this is an issue that we need to talk about. So um, before we talk about, you know, how to evaluate and how to manage female sexual dysfunction, Nick, let's talk about the different types of sexual dysfunction, because this is actually something that the DSM-5 specifically kind of tracks out. Yeah, we'll talk about a number of different disorders and kind of... If you remember from like a psychiatry rotation or neurologic rotation, and as a medical student, you may remember the DSM-5 is often like kind of lists a diagnosis and then a number of things that need to be present or absent in order for that diagnosis to be there. So I don't want to like just sort of read off the checkboxes, but we'll kind of just talk about some of these things generally. So the first one that's present is female sexual interest and arousal disorder, which really is just a lack of or significant decrease in kind of things related to sex. So like interest in sexual activity, sexual thoughts, um, excitement or pleasure during sexual activity, and those symptoms need to have persisted for at least six months and caused distress. Female orgasmic disorder is another disorder defined by the DSM-5, which is a marked delay in, in frequency of, or absence of orgasm, or reduced intensity of orgasm, again persisting for at least six months and causing distress. Genitopelvic pain or penetration disorder is persistent or recurrent pain or difficulty with intercourse, particularly during penetration attempts, um, or fear anxiety surrounding that, again persisting for at least six months and causing distress. You'll find that as a kind of common thread between these DSM disorders. Substance or medication-induced sexual dysfunction is a disturbance in sexual dysfunction that has a temporal relationship with a substance or medication initiation or dose change or discontinuation. Other specified or unspecified sexual dysfunction is the final category that we'll mention here, um, which are just distressing symptoms or characteristics of sexual dysfunction that don't meet the criteria for one of the other defined categories. The major distinction between other specified and unspecified is whether the clinician specifies a reason that the symptoms do not meet the criteria for the other classes. One such specified reason in this may be something like the genitourinary syndrome of menopause, um, where there is a physically defined specified reason, um, but it doesn't necessarily fall into the other four diagnoses that we've just mentioned. All right, Faye, so now that we've talked a little bit about the various disorders that have been defined, let's go about actually evaluating for female sexual dysfunction. So like everything in medicine, Nick, you know, whenever we have a sensitive topic, the best way to evaluate for it is just to ask about it and be open about it. So during routine visits, making sure that you're asking questions about sexual function, broad open-ended questions during routine history gathering, even incorporating questions like many women experience concerns about sex, are you experiencing any issues? And if a patient does answer yes to some of these questions, or if they have sexual dysfunction as a complaint, then you should go on to collect a comprehensive history. So detailed history about the patient's sexual and gender identity, the nature, duration, onset of symptoms, and if the symptoms cause them distress, you know, what medications the patients use, because certainly certain medications can lead to a decrease in um, sexual desire or orgasm. 
Um, also partner factors. So, you know, number of current partners, their gender, health problems, sexual function problems that their partners may have. And very important too is relationship quality. So communication about that sexual concern with their partner and also discuss things like past and current abuse or violence experiences that may contribute to this current sexual dysfunction. And last but not least, you want to discuss with them if there is pain, if the patient has injuries, or if there are any body image issues that could also contribute to this. On physical exam, usually there aren't a lot of physical exam findings. However, you can use a mirror to help the patient point out areas of female anatomy for education, and sometimes that can be helpful. You can also identify with the mirror with the patient if there are any areas that are causing them pain that can then lead to their sexual dysfunction. That's our kind of quick initial evaluation for female sexual dysfunction. So once you kind of figure out, you know, what's going on with your patient, Nick, how do we then treat FSD? As you mentioned earlier, Faye, there's a complex interplay of factors that can contribute to female sexual dysfunction. Some of these that are psychological, some of them that are physical and may respond to different medical therapies, and then other things that may be anatomic that need different types of therapies, such as dilators or lubricants or physical therapy. Let's start off with psychological interventions. So, Relationship distress and partner sexual dysfunction can trigger sexual problems in other domains, even for the patient in front of you. So options for treatment here can be things like sexual skills training, cognitive behavioral therapy, mindfulness-based therapy, and couples therapy. Sexual skills training can include instructions about masturbation, other types of erotic stimulation, can focus on decreasing feelings of guilt or shame with masturbation or sexual activity, as well as learning about anatomy, for instance, learning about clitoral stimulation or other types of stimulation, and helping partners to communicate with each other. Couples therapy in particular can really help focus on this to emphasize better strategies for communication. Patients who have a history of trauma bear special mention here, and they may need, in particular, a trauma-based psychotherapeutic approach um, to help kind of disentangle the complex factors of trauma with sexual experience. Um, mental health specialists with expertise in this area are definitely worth referring to, and so finding those folks who you can consult in your area is really important. Today, let's move to medical therapies now. Sure. So I want to preface this by kind of saying there's a lot of medications out there, but there's not a lot of medications out there that have proven benefit for different types of female sexual dysfunction. The first thing that I wanted to talk about is estrogen, but estrogen, especially in the form of low-dose vaginal estrogen therapy, is really the preferred hormonal treatment for sexual dysfunction due to genitourinary syndromes of menopause. So of course, not everyone is going to have sexual dysfunction due to menopause, um, but so this is kind of a very specific treatment. Low-dose systemic estrogen can also be an alternative, and other alternatives include things like ospemifene for management of dyspareunia due to genitourinary syndromes of menopause. The next thing would be something like androgen therapy. So short-term use of transdermal testosterone can be considered for treatment of postmenopausal women with sexual interest and arousal disorders, um, but you need to appropriately counsel your patient that there are risks to using testosterone. So for example, things like acne, increased hair growth, virilization, so things like lower voices or you know clitoromegaly, some of these which may be irreversible. And of course, the long-term side effects of using testosterone are not known. If your patient is a 
appropriately counseled, they're postmenopausal, you can try testosterone therapy for three to six months after baseline testosterone is tested um, and after three to six weeks of initial use again. However, if there is no effect, then the androgen therapy should be discontinued after six months. What other medications can we use, Nick? Yeah, so there's a new medication on the market that I'm going to totally mispronounce, but flibanserin or ADI on the market um, is a serotonin receptor agonist slash antagonist and was approved in 2015 by the FDA to help treat hypoactive sexual desire disorder in premenopausal women who did not have depression. A systematic review and meta-analysis of existing studies of flibanserin, though, showed that the overall quality of evidence for efficacy and safety was low, and there was minimal to no improvement in hypoactive sexual desire disorder with use. Um, There is a black box warning in addition with flibanserin with respect to alcohol use, as alcohol use in combination with this medication can increase the risk of syncope and hypotension for patients. Some patients may ask about sildenafil or Viagra and whether that might work the same for females as it does for males. The short answer is no, that it doesn't work. It's been hypothesized that Viagra may increase pelvic blood flow towards the clitoris and the vagina, but it has not been proven to work. Bupropion is another medication that could be considered if a patient in particular has antidepressant-induced female sexual dysfunction. Um, Supplementation with bupropion has been shown to potentially improve symptoms in that particular scenario. All right, so Faye, those are kind of, unfortunately, the limited scope of medications that we have available to us at this point. Um, Let's say that, though we don't think medication will help, what other things are available? So specifically for things like genital pelvic pain and penetration disorders, we can do a few things. So the first is to educate your patient to help understand the anatomy and the etiology of their symptoms. So where is that pain coming from? Why is it that they are having pain? For certain patients, um, dilators can be used. So for for example, a postmenopausal woman, they may require progressive increases in dilator use. And of course, certain patients may also need physical therapy for desensitization and relaxation of certain pelvic muscles due to chronic pelvic pain that can occur from their general pelvic pain syndrome. There are also um, certain treatments, including things like intravaginal prasterone for postmenopausal women who have dyspareunia. And of course, um, you know, the most easy thing to do with some of your patients is lubricants and moisturizers. They don't cure the underlying cause, but they can help reduce or alleviate dyspareunia that's due to vaginal dryness. And so things like coconut oil is a very good option, but just remember not to use any types of um, organic plant-based oils with condoms. And you can also counsel the these patients to use lubricants. Um, we tend to counsel patients to use things like silicone lubrication because they do not dry out as quickly as water-based lubricants. And then the last thing that I just wanted to mention very briefly, because I feel like when we were in residency or just ending residency, this started to become a thing, is vaginal lasers, which kind of like makes me shudder to say the two words in the same sentence. This became this hot topic and people were like raving about vaginal lasers. And so this is like a vaginal carbon dioxide fractional laser that is supposedly helpful for treatment of vulval vaginal atrophy. However, it's overall been inadequately studied for this treatment and also the cost of treatment is rather high. And so overall, this is still technology that we haven't yet proven to show that it actually works. All right. I think that does it, Faye, for this episode on female sexual dysfunction. So why don't we try to summarize? 
All right, so we first talked about normal sexual response, and we discussed how originally there was a linear model of normal sexual response of excitement, plateau, orgasm, and resolution. However, more contemporary models are much more nonlinear and encompass a wide variety of sequences of the original four stages and also include multiple other things and show how they interplay with each other. Also, 43% of American women report experiencing sexual problems with a higher prevalence in women around the ages of 45 to 64. Within the DSM-5, there are a number of different types of female dysfunction that are identified. The couple of diagnoses that we mentioned today include female sexual interest and arousal disorder, female orgasmic disorder, genitopelvic pain or penetration disorder, substance or medication-induced sexual dysfunction, and then other specified or unspecified sexual dysfunction. And we'll post the DSM criteria on the website for all of these disorders, um, but note that they often share a common thread of symptoms persisting for a minimum of six months and causing clinically significant distress. In terms of evaluation for FSD, remember to ask about it. And if a patient does reveal that they have sexual dysfunction, you should take a comprehensive history about the patient's sexual and gender identity, the nature and onset of the symptoms, patient's medication use, and as well as partner factors, relationship quality, and things like pain with sexual intercourse, injuries, and body image. Physical exam usually is not as helpful. However, during the physical exam, you can educate the patient about their anatomy using a mirror. In terms of the treatment of female sexual dysfunction, we broke it down into psychological interventions, medical therapies, and other therapies. Psychological therapies can include things with respect to sexual skills training, cognitive behavioral therapy, mindfulness-based therapy, and couples therapy. You can also consult or refer to mental health specialists with expertise in the area of sexual dysfunction. Medical therapies, unfortunately, are very specific to certain causes of female sexual dysfunction, and not all of them have been proven to work. Low-dose vaginal estrogen or systemic estrogen can be used for treatment of sexual dysfunction due to genitourinary syndrome of menopause, and other alternatives include ospemethine. Androgen therapy can be used short-term for treatment of postmenopausal women with sexual interest and arousal disorders, but they should be appropriately counseled about the risks of using testosterone. Flibanserin or Addy on the market is an FDA-approved treatment of hypoactive sexual desire disorder in premenopausal women without depression. However, systematic reviews and meta-analyses of existing studies showed that the overall quality of evidence for efficacy and safety were low, and there was minimal to no improvement in hypoactive sexual desire disorder with this use. Remember, it also has a black box warning against alcohol use because it can increase the risk of syncope and hypotension. Sildenafil or Viagra, unfortunately, does not work for women with female sexual dysfunction. However, bupropion can be considered for patients with antidepressant-induced female sexual dysfunction. For our final category of treatments, we talked about how dilators and physical therapy and education to help understand anatomy and the etiology of symptoms can be particularly helpful for patients with genitopelvic pain and penetration disorders. Intravaginal prasterone is another therapy that could be considered for the treatment of postmenopausal women who have dyspareunia. Lubricants and moisturizers are the old-fashioned thing that, while they don't cure the underlying cause, they can help reduce or alleviate dyspareunia due to vaginal dryness. And then finally, we talked about vaginal CO2 fractional laser therapy that really at this point is inadequately studied for the treatment of vulvovaginal atrophy, and the cost of treatment is rather high, um, so not recommended at this time. All right, so I think that brings us to the end of this episode. So once again, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee.
So guys, if you enjoyed the podcast today, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your podcatcher is, and give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us on social media, on Twitter at CreoobserverCoff1, on Facebook and Instagram at CreoobserverCoffee, and you can also find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CreoobserverCoffee. You can give us a donation, and we can give you a shout-out or some swag. You can find show notes for this episode as well as all of our previous episodes on our website, CreoobserverCoffee.com. If you have a suggestion for a show or correction for other shows or just want to say hi to us, email us, creogsrivercoffee at gmail.com.